Taxes and Tea podcast fans, Danny here. Thank you so much for coming back. If you're new here, hi, my name is Danny. I have a lot of new people who are listening. And if you're new here, I talk about MLM content, more specifically anti-MLM content. If you don't know, I was in an MLM cult called Worldwide Dream Builders, which is a line of affiliation of the Amway Corporation. I was also in a DV relationship. So I'm very passionate about these two topics. And my biggest goal has been to be able to give people a platform. And especially anybody who comes on the podcast who is in these MLM cults, if you don't know, if you have never been in this type of an environment, you're not allowed to talk until you have some level of quote status. But essentially what that means is you have a level of brainwashing. You say what they want you to say. And if you're in a DV relationship, of course you feel silenced. So my goal is to be able to help people feel heard. For every single person who has come and talked to me, you guys are amazing. I'm so grateful. So you guys, thank you so much. And for everybody who just continues to support this podcast, thank you all so much. We have back with us today another person who was in Worldwide Dream Builders. It, it never ceases to amaze me, you guys, the things that this organization puts people through. This one is going to be a wild one, you guys. We're talking some pretty intense, unfortunately dark stuff. Just with that being said, please understand, I am not here to defame Worldwide Dream Builders. I'm not here to defame Amway. I'm speaking on personal experiences, personal opinions, okay? If you want to join these organizations, I'm not telling you not to. You're an adult. You can make your own decisions. I am saying that I think you should listen and hear these people out. You may have a different perspective after you hear, and you might proceed with caution. So not here to defame anybody. Do not sue me. Okay. Today's guest, you guys, I'm so excited because this just is a whole different perspective that it just brings to light so many things that I had questions about that just needed answering. I have Ashley with us today. You guys, she is amazing. Please listen to everything that she has to say. So Ashley, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Um, Yeah. We've talked so much before. <clears throat> I mean, not like incredible extents, but just so many things that you have taught me. I was just telling you even before we started recording that everything that you told me has just stuck with me for a while. So I'm really excited. But I have to ask what what compels you to want to share your story? Yeah. So, you know, it took a while after leaving to really understand everything that I went through and like, just really break it down and see the toxicity, the manipulation. I just want to share because once I started to realize that I was seeking out any, any podcast that was talking about multi-level marketing, but specifically worldwide. And so I'm so appreciative to, I literally searched worldwide in Spotify or WWDB or something like that, found your podcast. And it just helped me understand my own experience better by hearing other people's experience. So my my hope is that people, you know, will hear this and be able to like heal through their experiences, but also, you know, find it in their heart to share their story with their friends and their family so that they don't get caught up in this as well. I'm so grateful again that you are here and wanting to add to this community that we have built up here of people who've been through the same things. Yeah. And it, it like gives, I mean, cause we were so isolated. We weren't allowed to share things. So you could have been going through some really dark stuff. I would have said hi to you at a function and not know anything, you know? So it's so important to like have those conversations and find people who have gotten out and talk with them too. You know, it just helps like piece together what you went through. Yeah, you're right. I don't, when we say that we can't talk to people, we don't mean that we couldn't talk, but our conversations had to be very, very superficial. Or to edify. I mean, you were constantly told to edify your upline. So 
anyone, you could have said, you know, my sponsor is so-and-so and I would have been like, wow, they're amazing. Like, you're so, you're so lucky, you know? And like, it just, yeah, it just, I, I was talking with a friend the other day and we're, cause you know, we're good friends. We both got out and we're working through things together. Like just as things come up, we kind of bring it up and ask, you know, like, what was your take on this happening? And so anyways, one of the things was about not just the functions, like the regionals, the ones at, at the hotels and stuff. And I was yeah. like, I, I always showed up with a facade because I knew I was not allowed to bring any negativity. Not that I wanted to be negative, but that meant you're not sharing anything that happened in your life that you're going through or struggling with. That's going to be perceived as negative. Yeah. You have to leave it in your car, leave it at the door. Don't bring it in here is what they would say. And it's sad because I feel like we were all going through so much. We were none the wiser because we couldn't be because our communication was linear. It was in an upward direction. And that's the only place it was allowed to go. In fact, I think a lot of us, our upline were going through things too, that we did not know. And that's almost scary for me because my direct sponsor married this amazing woman just came on and told her story and just was in an abusive relationship with my sponsor and I was I never knew do I know he was toxic yeah because you know most people in worldwide who are in your upline and, and they show those traits you kind of can gather some things are happening but I never knew the depths yeah it is really sad I like yeah the amount of things now that have come out to me there was abuse that was going on in my upline. I mean, I felt it personally. I had a, I had my original sponsor, Joe, and he ended up leaving. I don't even, I was in it for five years. So from 2015 and I left in 2020. And so I, I don't even remember exactly at, at which point he decided to leave, but he had already broken a, a platinum downline. And so by the time that he was just going, he decided he was going to move on from the business and do some other things career-wise. This was not going to be his focus. And he, he asked me to meet him for coffee. And he was just like, I'm making some you know changes in my life. I'm going to be moving on, but I still support you in doing this. And I want you to, you know, achieve everything that you want to achieve in this business. I know that you can. That being said, I've had a long, a long talk with his direct sponsor, um, Rachel and our upline. And we think it's best that I'm not going to stop registering. So meaning he's not going to stop taking, you know, getting paid off of his downline platinums. So he was still going to be a registered IBO, but since he wasn't active, he couldn't take that upline role for me. So we all talked and we agreed that I'm going to sign you over to Rachel and let her be your direct sponsor because otherwise she has no, she has no vested interest or financial interest to continue helping you. So basically what he was saying is that since he was leaving and he couldn't eventually take the role of the upline board plan or however that progressed, he would still make a commission off of any PV I did. He essentially got in the way of commission to Rachel and not being active. So I'm sure they convinced him that wouldn't be fair and why would Rachel help me anyway if he's getting direct you know PV from me 
So, you know, I was so sad because I was thinking like, you're throwing away the biggest opportunity like you have. So I was really sad to see him go. He's such a great person. But I was also very apprehensive about being directly coached by Rachel. One of my original goals was to go Eagle before her because I did not want to be coached by her. I saw a lot of inconsistencies in what she said and what she did. And granted, I'm a rule follower and she's a proclaimed rule breaker. You know, she kind of took pride in being someone that went against the grain. And, and, but for me, I'm like, some things are a matter of integrity. And I just, I saw a bit of a lack of integrity there. And there was just something in me that was not wanting to be personally coached by her. But yeah. in the spirit of the toxic positivity that we were all, brainwashed into I was just like okay you've got you've got to make this relationship with Rachel work you've got to you know be that downline that you want to have duplicated in your downline that's what we were taught and that was one of the big forms of control too that kind of kept us all in line where it was like you make one wrong move that's the way you're down you expect that your downline is going to do that to you you don't put your pv in on day one that's what your downline is going to do to you so that was one of the form of control tactics that they used a lot, but you're not wrong. That Those are the manipulation toxics that they use to make you stay in line, to keep you at what they need you to be. Because quote, that's how you want your downline to be. You need a downline who's going to be positive, not a negative. And if you're negative, that's what you're going to duplicate. What's interesting is it didn't all start out like this, you guys. We get into this business and we don't see all this at first. I have to ask, how did you get involved in, in Worldwide and how did you get introduced? How did you meet your sponsor? So we, way before Worldwide, we were hanging out in the same friend group. I have nothing bad to say about him. He is honestly one of the most sincere, like kind people that I've ever met. And I actually held a lot of respect for him throughout knowing him as a friend. We joined a Bible study one, you know, me and my best friend at the time joined this Bible study that he was also going to, and I would later find out a few other people in my upline and crossline were also going to this Bible study. And this Bible study, we were very much share, like encouraged to share what was going on in our lives and be very vulnerable, which is a whole nother story. I grew up Christian, you know, and I am still Christian, but you know, leaving worldwide has given me a different perspective on some things that go in in the church these days. Um, so anyway, so I, I think being putting yourself in a place of vulnerability in a mixed group that has to do with Christianity, you know, maybe it doesn't always put you in the safest position, you know, so at this time, I had been working in the fashion industry for the past four and a half years. I achieved my, you know, my goal, my dream career. And then I realized, you know, I'm, all I do is work. The people I work with are so toxic and I want to see my family more. Like I need to become an entrepreneur. And actually it didn't just come to me like that. I started listening to podcasts and there's this one podcast. I don't know if it's still around entrepreneur on fire and the host there always talked about his mentor and everyone that went on there talked about how they had a mentor. So I, I remember journaling and at, telling God, like, 
God, I need a mentor because I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, you know, work for myself, be able to see my family more. Like family was the motivation, family time. And so, so yeah, so I had shared that in a Bible study. And then one day my, my friend Joe told me like, oh, I, you know, I just got this mentor. He's a multimillionaire. He flies, you know, his private jet and he's mentoring me so I can retire in two years. And I was like, what? Like, that's my goal. Like, that's what I want to do. And then he was like, really? I was like, yeah. And then so we go and we sit down and he's like, you know, I could introduce you to him if you want me to. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I didn't ask. I think I might have asked, like, yeah, what does he do? Not in a, like, critical way, like, a, just a curious way. And I think he said something in the, like, medical field, which I now realize he was referring to our uplines day job or day business, you know, not worldwide. And so that's what I realized later. So anyway, so we go through the process. When they say the process is qualification, no, I was launched in a week and a half. Like it just happened so fast, but I thought it was it like God answered this prayer. And so I don't want anyone who's Christian and in the same situation, because this was really the tactic that worked on me was the God brought you this opportunity narrative, because you're going to share that with them. Like, yeah, if you're a Christian, yeah, I've been praying for an opportunity like this, you know? And so I didn't question anything else. I was like, yeah, one was presented to me. That's it. And they do upfront teach you do not google this you're not going to get accurate information you're going to get the most accurate information from the person who has the balls to speak to you face to face and tell you how they make money you know okay that makes sense you know if you don't think about it too much but there are people who manipulate there are people who lie so that's not just a fact to be taken as fact there are lots of caveats to that Stephen Hassan in the bite model who, you know, does talks about cults and the things that qualify cults as cults. He talks about thought stopping statements. And those are one of those like thought stopping statements, you know, that you will accept, especially if someone's coming off very friendly and nice and sounds like they know what they're talking about. You're not going to continue to explore your concessions to that statement or anything else. So I will put the blame on me. I did not do any more of the research because I was like, this is it. And how easy was that? It was presented to me. I got this opportunity and I, you know, and I took it. It's only going to cost me a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> At that time, that's not how it was presented. I did not sign up for a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. So I just, to me, that was a total godsend. And you know what? Just so anyone who's listening, if you ever tell them that you prayed for this, you feel like maybe God brought you to this opportunity and you start to realize this is not actually that opportunity. Um, they're going to tell you, you know, well, is your God confused? Those were actually trainings that we heard coaching that we got to say that to people. So is your God confused then? Because I thought you said that he brought you to this opportunity. What changed? My God isn't confused, you know? Yeah. And so 
so that was really where it just really took hold of me because you know if you think you're following God's path then there's a lot of things that you'll overlook or not really look too deeply into yeah Absolutely. You have this belief that you are so passionate about and they use that against you. They literally said, I I have this opportunity. And then they will continue to say that God brought this into your life. Like you're here for a reason. Realistically, all they did was they sought out an opportunity and they did it. You know, when you have people like this in this type of an environment, using your faith against you. Unfortunately, this is so common. So again, I am so sorry that you had experienced that. But another thing that you said, that, the couple of things that you said, of course, but you brought up the bite model. We love the bite model. Again, we're talking about this for fair use and commentary purposes, but please go to freedomofmind.com. Read up about the bite model, you guys. Even go to YouTube and look up Stephen Hassan. Like some of his interviews are incredible. Like he talks a lot about how he was in a cult and he had to be away from the cult in order to see what was going on. And he was actively in this cult and his dad was trying to get him out of it. Like he even says that my dad wasn't going to be able to get me out of it. But there's a lot of things that they do that this bite model talks about. A lot of it's information control as well. Within the first 30 minutes, you have uh, actually the Syrian guy. He was in my upline telling you not to go listen to your grandma. Don't listen to anybody who's not here because they don't, quote, know what they're talking about, which then they go to don't Google it. We're giving you our faces. You guys can see us. They're giving you a screen name. Don't listen to them. So of course, what are we not going to go do? We're so groomed in this process by this point. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, totally. Like, I'm not going to go listen to somebody on Reddit. Like, that's crazy. When now I realize that there's a power dynamic and they scare you. And that's a lot. And that's just the beginning. That's just how they were able to kind of I don't want it to sound derogatory because it's not, but like pull you in basically. They made it sound fantastic, especially if you're already looking for it. So how long did it take you to find out through your process, if you can remember, when you finally found out that it was Amway and Worldwide Dream Builders? So either the second meet, meet and greet, if it was at that meet and greet, it would have been very quickly talked over, but at the board plan for sure at the end. So I'll tell you a little bit about my first board plan. Um, You know, I was told to dress business and I end up coming to the home of, they were maybe Eagles at the time. So this is Dan and Kristen's home. I saw Kristen and I recognized her from the church I attended for five years previous to the church I was attending at that time. And she was a little bit younger than me. And I remember her, I remember just sitting around with a group of friends at like some youth event or something. Not that I was a youth, I was a young adult at the time. But I remember sitting around and hearing her speak and thinking like, this is like a very strong Christian woman. Like I was inspired by her. So I saw her face and I was like, Oh my god, hi. And she was like, hey, have we met? And like, honestly, we it was she wouldn't have remembered me, you know, but I had seen around church a lot. And just from that one time, we were like in a group of people talking that stuck with me. And I had a lot of respect for her. She was nowhere near worldwide at that time. Like she was maybe 19 at that time. And um, so now she's, you know, in her 20s and married. So we show up, I show up at their apartment. And the who would have been our upline, They were Ruby at the time, I believe, and it was just the husband. So it was um, Daryl. And so Daryl does the board plan for, for us. 
at the end of it, I was, he was like, Hey, so what did you think? I mean, it was in an apartment. So it was a small group. He was like, Hey, so what did you, you know, think about the board plan? And I was like, I really love that. This is a Christian organization. And he was like, Oh, well, it's not a Christian organization. Like we accept everybody, but that's just to say, if that was my comment to his question, you know, he was talking about God and he was integrating Christianity and God's purpose and that kind of thing into the board plan. And later having attended like a hundred of his board plans since then, you know, he 100% did that. But I was excited because I'm thinking like, yeah, these are, these are Christian people pursuing business in an integrous way. That was my assumption because they were Christian and dressed well, you know, like I just thought like, Hey, we've got our lives together. And business wasn't my form of dress. Like I was, I like to dress a little more fun or like funky, you know, but cause I was in the fashion industry. So I like to try trends and stuff like that. So that was kind of like a downer to like change that, but I still perceive them as very put together. So I just thought that was my takeaway that this is an integrous Christian group. You know, I get, they don't want to call themselves Christian, like you know, exclusively, but they're obviously teaching Christian, you know, ways to go about business. That that was like what I took away from it. Yeah. What you're absolutely right. When you say that when you when he asked you and that was your response, he obviously gave you a reason to say yeah. something like that, which it aligned with your views. This could not have been a better place for you to have been in if this is what they had presented to you at that first board plan. And the the club owner, I call him Taylor, um, he was very similar in his board plan. He always made mention of God that his, he, he, and he always gave a quick little disclaimer. Right? And I feel like they do it maybe for the, for legal purposes or whatever, but he's like, you know, it doesn't have to be your faith. It's our faith. You know, we think our, our father, God, and all the other, you know, things. And, and they, but what's funny is they thank the, the crown for the, the same way. So, <laughs> but it's really interesting because it, I'm sure now that you've left, you realize that it is a very heavily and, and obviously too, not, what, because, because as, as you, we had talked about this before where you're a Christian person and they try to come off as a type of Christian organization, but they are a very cult-like environment. Like they use Christianity against people. They, it, it's so heavily incorporated into everything that they, they, they do. They have at Spring Leadership, John Maxwell come in. If you're not familiar with who John Maxwell is, he's a pastor and a leadership author and um, not devoid of any sort of blame here as well. I well, I wanted to believe John Maxwell is such a good dude. And then I started to realize that he's probably making a commission because all of his books are being sold through the apps and they're being sold at other lines of affiliation in their quote tools rooms. So sorry, John Maxwell, my personal opinion is that you're not as good of a guy as I thought you were. And I'm sad about that. To just talk about him for one second. Absolutely. So as I've like left and started um, looking into these other MLMs, because I want to see how I started realizing they were very similar. So we're taught in worldwide that we are top of the top, we've got this, you know, we're elite, we've got this process that nobody else has, we qualify people like all this kind of stuff. And we've got this really amazing self, uh, personal growth um, system that essentially is molding all these very integrous people to run business and be like they wanted this to take over America like that's that's their agenda and that's not hidden so John Maxwell is you know one of the big 
key things that they use to pull people into going to functions, like people who have not, who are not in the business that are maybe in the process. They say, you know, John Maxwell only goes to a handful of these per year and he chooses us. No, I've seen him at every single MLM conference that I have looked into. Like, I want to say like Monette or Arbonne or something like that, but he, or, or all of them, he's going to them. And that, um, that audio that we're getting from him every, every month is going to all of these other, like, I have no doubt that I'm alleging this, but I have no doubt it is going to all of these other MLMs as well. Yep. Actually, you're not wrong. (laughs) I was going to say, maybe we should say this is alleged, but nope, not at all. You are right. Because you know, what's funny is I have not looked as far into this as I wish that I would have, but you guys, Ashley's onto something here. I found a, um, on the Arbonne official Facebook page, they have an ad from 2021 that says our special guest speaker is John Maxwell. No way. What a bombshell. Because the thing is, is I always thought they just spoke for Worldwide. Um, I had talked to BWW um, as well, and they had not seen, John Maxwell didn't come to their functions, but they sold their books at their functions in what they called their tools room. Because what's interesting is Brit Worldwide came before Worldwide, but they are so far behind Worldwide. It's so interesting that they they still had physical copies of CDs and books all being sold up until like 2018 when- they finally switched over to their apps, but this is not exclusive to us. And that is such a shocker to me because I didn't know that this is absolutely right here in front of me. Special guest speaker, John Maxwell at Arbon. He's an MLM speaker. He's an Y'all MLM. that's so that's devastating. So that kind of speaks to as well, that obviously Worldwide's not the only one that's pushing this Christian meth- this Christianity in-, in their way because John Maxwell is he's a pastor. Yeah. He has his his um views in every single one of his books. In fact, he even says, I'm going to tell you that this portion it's to skip to this page if you want to ignore the the preaching that he does. Like that's actually what happens in some of his books. But that's that's how they're using in my opinion, that's how they're using Christianity to manipulate people because John Maxwell and using his name, but to now learn that he is an other MLM speaking, you guys, it goes deep. Yeah. He's getting, I mean, we paid extra on premier membership to, I mean, it wasn't like asked, but for some reason it was itemized differently that his audio was an extra fee. So he's getting that money, you know, monthly from all of worldwide, I'm sure, or some portion of it, you know. Um, And here's the thing. John Maxwell is allowed to speak wherever he wants. This is where you have to start recognizing, though, like, why does worldwide continue to lie about who is getting paid? What is so exclusive? What is not exclusive? You know? It's just, um, I just started seeing some lies being revealed. And I think that's what really had me take like a hard look at what, what was really like going on, you know? Um, yeah. With the Christianity, wow. Yeah. With the Christianity too. Um, so 
you know, um, so Daryl, who I told you did the first, my first board plan that I went to, and he was Ruby at the time, by the time I left in 2020, they had just him and his wife, Katie had just gone diamond. So Katie and Daryl, um, talked about their marriage and how great their marriage was because of this system, as did a lot of married, if not all people that I ever heard speak on a worldwide stage. You know, they gave all the, all the glory to God and worldwide that their marriage was where it was today. And so first of all, financial independence at board plans is preached as the best thing you could achieve in your life because and this was this is repeated at every board plan if there is if if there is a problem that time um that time can't solve and there's another thing they say timer oh that money what is it that time can't solve like money can or if money can't solve it time can but you need financial freedom to be able to give your time or your money so really that goes back to money because what this business what you need from this business is the money to have the time, right? So they start chipping away at every authority figure in your life. So it starts with that. And then, um, you know, it's like, okay, well, these are some assumptions that as I've talked to other people, it wasn't me who just had it, had it, it was, it was, so it was like, okay, well, my pastor isn't teaching people how to be financially free. You know, he's letting people continue to be slaves in their day-to-day life. Why, why not instead of just, you know, and they kind of put down people that just take donations instead of creating financial independence for themselves. Who does that apply to? Your pastor, where you give a tithe that most people consider a donation, you know? So they're chipping away at all of the authority figures. And then with the marriage, if it wasn't for the system and the mentorship, I we would not have the marriage. I would not want a husband. I would not want a wife who is not being mentored. How, how would they know how to treat me correctly? So who does that take authority away from? Your parents. And maybe you don't respect your parents' relationship. Don't get me wrong. I love my parents and my step-parents you know, but there are things that I wanted for my future married. I'm my future marriage and I'm still single that, you know, I wanted to just learn maybe better ways to go about things. And that's what they claimed to have. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, now I'm in it. I, you know, they're position themselves in a place of spiritual authority above your pastor in a place of marriage um, advice that your parents can't even give you don't even listen. Why would you listen to someone who's not um, who hasn't achieved what you want to achieve? And that yeah. one statement is how they undercut everybody else in your life. Yeah, because they don't have the fruit on the tree is what they would say. Yeah. Yes. And that, that's unfortunate because it's so true. And we had, I think, talked about the family rifts that we had seen other people go through. Um, I think both of us had talked about how we're both very fortunate that this didn't break apart our family dynamics the way that they probably could have. Um, I know for me personally as well, like my dad and I have had pretty in-depth discussions actually, um, probably by the time this episode comes out, my dad's will have come out where I talked to my dad about what it was like to be um, the parent of a worldwide dream builder. And I just remember so 
pompously that I was like, no, my dad's like on his third marriage and he's been at his job for the third or um, he's on his, yeah, uh, for the 30th year in a row. Like this guy can't give me advice, but no, let me tell you divorce as much as people want to criticize divorce and maybe it goes against some people's viewpoints, but if you're in a toxic, abusive relationship, please leave. Do not think that divorce is not an option for you. Like I am so appalled at the fact that worldwide will preach that, that you can just heal these things. That's, that's a whole, that's a whole nother tangent of things that I've heard from my upline, but they would say, don't listen to your dad. And I'm thinking now about all of the things that worldwide tried to tell me that my dad couldn't do for me. And my dad did everything for me that worldwide said that they could do. My dad helped me buy a car cash. Why? Because I had bad credit when I came out, but he helped me do it. He's helped me build my credit score up. He has helped me, you know, figure out how to save, how, what is it going to look like when I buy a house? Like, how am I going to get to that point? Like things that worldwide claimed that they could do and that I should never go to my dad for, they never did for me, but they, they do. They plant that seed of doubt for the, like you said, chipping away. I love the way that you said that. It's so perfect. Every authority figure, any person that you look up to in your life, they will do everything that they can to isolate you from them because they have the fruit on the tree and you don't. In fact, I'm going to go back to this audio. If you guys haven't heard it within like the, the, the person who's uh, even just introducing the club owner, as he's talking in this very first audio, he's openly saying that the club owner's mom, she retired early from real estate and he does not listen to her. He does not take advice from her because he, she quote, does not live the life that he wants. And it's like, why are we saying these things? Because they want us to stop listening to our parents to further their agenda, which is, that's so wild. And it, and like you said, this is not what you saw at first. And, you know, just to go back to the whole parent thing, like your parents are going to, in most cases, not everyone's, your parents are the people who would want better for you. So yeah, you are going to achieve more than your parents. Most likely that doesn't discount their position in your life or their ability to give you good advice. Boom, right on your, right with your message right here. Our parents want us to do better than them. So if our parents want us to do better than them, why would they tell us not to be a part of Worldwide if Worldwide was actually going to make us better? That is, oh, that just came to my mind. And it's because a lot of our parents who are quote negative, see through their bullshit, okay? They see through it. My dad did. Oh my gosh, my dad, my dad's crazy. And, and I'm sure it's most parents. Cause I feel like I'm going to be the same way. Once my kid starts bringing people home to introduce me as far as like partners go in their future. But like my dad with my abusive ex-boyfriend, my dad said, I only needed 45 seconds with that dude to know that he was bad. And I was like, damn, that's not true. Oh, it is true. It is so true. And my dad didn't need more than a few, more than a minute with my sponsor to know that he was not a good person. My dad's like, and I, I, and he told me this behind the scenes. He didn't say this on his episode, but he's like, there's something about them that is never, that's not right. And he yeah. would always ask, well, why won't they talk to me? And he's like, it's because I have my stuff together. It's because I have a strong will in my life. I'm not in desperation. Whereas people who are expressing that they want something so badly, they take advantage of that. And it just brings me back to, I really, I'm so sorry that they used your faith against you because that sucks. But I love the fact that you're so open about that to help spread that message towards other people who join this organizations because they, they want that association. And when you had first gotten around, 
like like we like we always say you guys this is not how it's presented to us this is what we say after we leave because this is the realization aspect but when you're in it it can be one of the greatest things that you've ever seen for a period of time so what was your honeymoon phase like very short uh i was it i feel like my honeymoon phase was the process um because i was love bombed i was told how great i could be that i would definitely crush this business and i just look at that and it's like it, you're told to do that to basically speak life into people but it's like that is a form of love bombing and you you, you know and so it's that's a a hard thing for me to to even still like reconcile today because I want to be like, yeah, see the best in everyone, tell them they can crush it, but they know they're doing that to get them hyped up to sign up and then, you know, really go, you know, really go at this business hard, like hit the ground running. That's what they want for you. So I was totally like ready to hit the ground running. I was a very, very shy person. I was starting to come out of my shell, just being more involved in church Um, but I was still very shy. So, um, I did get a lot of personal growth out of the act of prospecting, which is, you know, uh, spear hunting essentially to recruit, you know, um, we called it prospecting. And so it was essentially going out every day to speak to people, to see if they were looking for an opportunity. So they are looking for people who are, they say looking, but you've got to be in a vulnerable place to really accept this opportunity because you don't know what it is when it's presented to you, you know? So, yeah, so that was kind of hard, but I was like ready to do it because I totally believed that this was the greatest opportunity and I was just going to share it with people, you know, and I was going to be successful by helping other people be successful. And so um, I think it was going to my first, I'm trying to think of the first time I saw our upline diamonds who we don't have a name for them. Do you have? Oh yeah. Yeah. So your upline sponsor or your, those, those upline diamonds, those are the parents to the guy who speaks really fast. The guy who, yeah, the guy in Vegas, they have twin daughters and I'm sure they have another child by now. Um, but that's his parents. The guy talks really fast. I feel like we all know. So I found out, I found out today that they are now in Vegas as well. So, oh, they're all, all right. They all in Vegas. What's up? The whole family, the whole uh, shebangs. So to quickly run through your line of sponsorship really fast, because I totally forgot to have us do this. So people have some sort of context. Mm-hmm. So, um, you have actually the same upline diamonds as Brie, Brie, who came on the episode previously. She is also downline from these folks who recently within recent years have gone diamond Katie and Daryl. Um, and then from Katie and and Daryl, you had Rachel, right? Was Rachel and then Stan and Kristen? No. So there was, there was one more couple that actually went to one of the churches I went to, but they didn't play a very big part in, in my life in worldwide. So we'll just leave them out. But, um, then, then there was, um, Stan and Kristen. And by the time I left Stan and Kristen were, um, maybe sapphires or emeralds. I want to say they were probably emeralds by the time I left. And they personally sponsored Rachel, who per, who by the time I left was Ruby. 
And Rachel personally sponsored my personal sponsor, Joe, who ended up leaving and passing me on to Rachel. So that's right. For the, for the majority, I was Rachel's personal down. Right. And you went through a lot while you were in the business. You you had expressed some pretty dark things that you had seen. And and hearing that your honeymoon phase was just so short lived is is kind of sad because I, I, I would imagine for a lot of people that like the first year is great, but that makes me sad to think that once you're your process was over the love bombing kind of stopped and you're not wrong. Like it's so true. They love bomb the crap out of you. The moment that they want you in their business, you are everything to them. You're their best friend. We'll quit them before they quit us kind of nonsense. They'll be the greatest people we've ever known. But then, then you start to see things for what they really are. And, um, and you were in for five years and you had really seen some, some stuff. And, and what were some of those first red flags that you had seen that kind of made you question things? So it was, um, being that, you know, my personal sponsor was Joe and above him was Rachel. So starting at the very beginning, Rachel took, uh, more of a leadership role in my life. And at that time it wasn't in the very beginning, it wasn't as defined, like Eagle is your coach, your sponsor is, you know, lesser role than that if they're not Eagle or above. So, um, so it was a lot of me confiding in Rachel and going to Rachel for advice on business stuff. And Rachel took a very controlling role in my life. And um, about how I acted and, and things like that. And the real problem with that, um, actually with the dynamic with us is I, like I said, she is a proclaimed rule breaker. I'm a rule follower. And I just immediately started recognizing lack of integrity. And so, and things that I didn't even know were wrong. So I'll give you, I'll give you some examples. So very early on in the business, you know, we're all told to, um, uh, you know, get, be like 100 with our ditto, like day one, you know, so at, so at first it was 100 PV of personal, and then you have the rest of the month to get your 50 PV of customer volume in. So, um, so like, I would ask her like, you know, well, what if you can't like find, you know, what if you don't like have the customers and she just kind of gave me a few ways to kind of work around that where it was like well you know you can um you can purchase it like for your mom and then have your your, your mom like pay a different bill for you or something like that like just things like that where it's like that doesn't sound like a horrible thing but that's there's there's a lack of integrity there so I started seeing I'm like, okay, so we're actually lying about how we're reporting our PV. Okay. And then, um, and then this one day she was like, Hey, do you want to go, um, wine tasting with me in, um, Santa Barbara? And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. I'm like, you know, like some personal time with, you know, with Rachel. And so we go wine tasting. And then at, at some point she was like, don't tell Stan, that we went wine tasting. And that's not something I would have brought up anyway, because it was like, to me, it was like a fun, 
girls trip like bonding more of a thing you know and uh so I was like okay so that's weird we're supposed to be like completely honest and open like they tell us to fillet ourselves open you know and so I just thought if you thought but if you thought this was wrong why did you do it and why did you bring me along like to do it yeah like not that wine tasting is bad or going but obviously there was a reason she thought that it would look bad you know and so yeah so honestly to this day like I don't think it was the wine I think it was taking the day off of business building even though she did share her story while we were doing it you know or maybe it was getting too close to me like that's what I really don't I really don't understand what she thought would look so bad but she thought there was something you know yeah um and then um we it used to be like I could call her so a little bit of backstory this whole she really did my process so my um, the process of getting me, uh, signed up and everything. And so it had become like a friendship, you know, so I could call her, she would answer. And then it got to the point where I, I would call her and then I would tell her like, Oh, um, you know, I was just calling you. She wouldn't answer. I was calling you about this. And then she'd be like, Kate me. And then I was like, okay, that's a change, you know? And then I would hear in our huddles and trainings, um, one thing that um, Katie, our, our upline would teach is you grow and they can either follow or stay behind. So the message was you change, you don't explain yourself to them. You just let them see you and either they stay in your dust or they keep up with you. And to me, I'm like, I, I get that as a concept, but when you've built a, a friend relationship and then you cut that off and you don't make any explanation, all she had to say was like, hey, Ashley, you know, there are, this is what I'm being coached to now. Like our relationship got a little bit too casual. And so now it, it needs to be like this. So I just want you to know, so let's like keep our communication on Kate. Like that's all that had to be said. But there was this weird dynamic within it, which was basically like your do not question your leaders. It was implied like figure out what they're doing and copy them, you know, and um, and you could ask questions, but God forbid if you offended Rachel, like she did not answer you or take to that kindly. And then you could show up and she would ignore you like, like show up to a function. She would not look you in the face. She might say something in her huddle, which she did do to me. You know, I, um, I had told her, like, I had decided to go on Bumble because I'm not meeting anybody. Like my whole life is prospecting. I'm not doing anything social. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I can meet someone, it can be a setup for coffee, I'll obviously share my story, you know, and, um, and so I ended up uh, going on a second date and meeting this guy. And we talked for four hours, I did share my story, but I didn't like drop the message, meaning I didn't say, do you want to meet my mentors? And, um, but so I catered her the next day, like, oh my gosh, I met this guy, like, I've never felt this way about anybody. And, um, I was like, I, I like, I really think this could be something like he might be the one, you know? 
And um, she gets back to me. She's like, those are just your emotions speaking. Like, you need to look at this logically. And so um, when is he coming to a board plan? So it was like, these people are positioning themselves to be your life mentors. And they're not at all like like kind or considerate to your actual human emotions it's all through the filter of a business and your business first and actually it was constantly trained that like don't even think about dating you know go eagle first and then it was like and then find another eagle because you don't want someone you're gonna have to drag along with you not that you'd have to drag along something someone who's not eagle like that's just an that's implied like that's right you know that that's making a lot of assumptions and the other thing I forgot to tell you um there was a cross line that I worked with and this is a different cross line so um she we worked in the same office and they were trying to have a baby, but they would not share that because, and I remember being in a huddle with her and someone asking about having babies and she, and, um, Kristen was like, who is our upline platinums at, at this point, she was a platinum. She goes, um, no babies till Ruby. And this was one of those people who did not have growth you know, like it would be here and there. But as we know, from being in the business, there are people who it takes a much longer time, if they ever do actually see any growth, some people sponsor one person here and there, that person ends up leaving or whatever. And so and our leaders are 100% aware of that. That's actually like the statistic within the business, you know, that only 1% actually achieve less than 1%, I think it is, achieve um, oh yeah the level of platinum and above and um the the diamonds the fast talker in vegas he taught in a training to his leaders that you need 20 percent of your business to not be growing so that you're profitable so that's what i don't know if you ever heard this term ruby side volume so that's where that's where they actually make their profit because if everyone in your downline is platinum which is not possible but let's just say let's just say all of your personals were platinum you're really not making good money you know because the the bulk of it is going to the platinum so you want that side volume to to help make up for to keep you profitable essentially so they need people business not moving on like that's required. And it's not like they force that on people. They know that that's just, there are a lot of people who won't move on and that works to to their benefit. It really does. And you're the one who opened my eyes to that today. Like when you had said that to me before we started recording, I was, I was just dumbfounded. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, like you're right. And in the way that you said it too, you're like, they have to keep them happy because they're at least at the very least what they're doing is they'll say, oh, they're getting around for the association but they're just, they're, they're just that PV amount. They're the ones who are continuing to keep them in whatever qualification that they're in. And I'm like, Oh shoot, that's right. Yeah. It gets, it's really like, it's so manipulative and wow. And, and those are just a few of the red flags. Like you, 
had told me some very, very intense things that you had seen happen. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Rachel. Um, I know that it's kind of a sensitive topic when it comes to her. Um, and it's, it's not the first time I've heard about her either. The first time I ever heard about Rachel was with Brie. She had told me that there was just some person who was in Worldwide who had passed away and that this organization was basically just exploiting her death. Yeah. And I know that that's, I'll put a trigger warning before this, but it's very hard, I know, to talk about somebody passing away, especially somebody that you knew, but when you told me about how that whole situation was handled, like that literally broke my heart. Can we talk a little bit about that and kind of what that looked like? Yeah. So Rachel, so I'm based in California. Our whole line of sponsorship was in California at that time. So, um, so Rachel was living here in California and for whatever reason in, I believe in 2020, moved to another state. And so, um, she's, but she had businesses in a lot of different States. It wasn't unusual for her to want to move around. That was very much a part of her life goals, you know, to be a traveler. Um, so anyway, she's in this other state where to my knowledge, you know, I I think she had family there actually, or close by. So there was family, but the group of her friends and core that she had had all throughout her life, because she is from California, you know, we're, we're not there. So she's building kind of, um, you know, a new life out there and building her business out there. Well, she ended up passing away in a, um, hit in, uh, in a car accident. So I, I forget exactly how it happened, but she was hit pretty tragically and um, passed pretty quickly. Thank God. I, I don't believe that there was um, a lot of suffering. I'm, you know, hoping, but after that, she, uh, she, so we can go back and, and talk about kind of how I reconnected with some cross line, but this is how I found out um, the friend, the cross line that I was now friends with called me and told me that they had just been told by, um, you know, they had just been informed that she had passed away. And so um, even though there was abuse and manipulation that we all felt from her, there was still that friendship that was built before that. So, so we were all like keeping tabs. Okay. Like what is going on with, you know, when is the funeral? When are these things? Like what is happening? Like how's her family being taken care of? Because one of the big, one of her big like mantras was like, before you go and go on a mission and help someone in Uganda, make sure you're taking care of your mama. The things that happened after her death were just so shockingly out of what we would have expected to happen. So first of all, she's Ruby at this time. Her family started a GoFundMe for her funeral. And we're thinking, where is Rachel's money? Like, why is this on her family? You know, so that's still a mystery. I have not to, I don't, I haven't solved. I don't know. But then, so her funeral is planned and, um, uh, it's told that it's going to be live streamed. So one of my friends watches it and she was just like, the only person from her upline that was there 
was Stan, who was her, 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 um, Stan and Kristen sponsored her. Kristen was the one who actually, you know, found her, recruited her. Their relationship went back some years. So it was like a reconnection type of thing. Um, but Kristen wasn't there and Katie and Daryl were not there. The diamonds in, uh, previously in San Diego, now in Vegas, we're not there. And she, I know just from being in her huddles, going to incentives, this girl looked at these people like family and like her parents. Like she really, like she was making sure to bring them waters, have food for them, like make sure they were taken care of at regionals and meetings, like whatever happened, like, she wanted to show like that, you know, she could be trusted. And that's what they taught you. You want to show that you can be trusted, you know, to lead a group. But um, she had, she showed a lot of respect to them. Like she wanted to be accepted by them because she saw herself as going diamond one day. And she wanted to be on those beaches with them, you know, um, and stuff like that. And so, and those trips and stuff. And so I was just like, I cannot believe I'm like, if you would have told this girl five years ago that the only person at her funeral would be Stan, do you think she'd build this business the way she did, you know, put off, um, you know, getting married, having kids, because that's not your priority. You're not dating. You're not looking for, you know, anybody. You actually have to get approval from your upline on who you can date, especially if you're, you know, platinum and above. And um, I was, I was talking with someone recently who actually knows what happened um, after that. And it was confided in me. So this is alleged. I, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't see any of this. But she said that they did um, have a memorial uh, after a function for her. And so what had happened in the interim was everyone on Dreamstream, which how would you explain Dreamstream? So Dreamstream. So, okay. Um, I just kind of want to go back really quick. So I with the when you said that if she would have known that Stan was going to be the only person at her funeral. I don't think she would have joined. Yeah. I don't think she would have been as heavily involved. I mean, I wanted to believe myself that these people were so great, that my upline were going to be the greatest people, right? They spend some of our most intimate moments with us. I mean, I go back to my upline, Jenny. She was in the room with me when my youngest child was born. Not six months later, we didn't communicate ever again. And to think that we all could have been in this business and we weren't diamonds, that these people would not have even shown up for us to support our families or anything. And that moment of need, that just like, absolutely, like it breaks my heart, but it really pisses me off because like you said, she lived her life for this business mm -hmm. and put off so many things because they promised so much. Yeah. And unfortunately this happened and they, they didn't, they didn't go to her funeral, but they could exploit her. Like, yes. So that's hard. So dream stream. So sorry. <laughs> so I had to say that. Like, okay. So um, when I was in, okay, we, this was in 2016, uh, between 2016 and 2017, we had what was called um, photo stream on uh, the iPhone. They had um, 
they shared people's prom promo pictures where they're like, oh, this person went whatever next pin level that they were at. So eventually they evolved to Workplace, which was um, driven by Facebook. So it was a quote, social media as uh, site. So we could follow our upline and we could see their, uh, their lives where we were dreaming about them. And then from what I understand is as of lately, recently, I don't know what year, they created a whole app for Dreamstream. So now they have their own separate app that is Dreamstream. I don't know what it looks like, but it's basically where they're sharing their life. And those, again, those promo pictures where it's, you know, telling people who went platinum, who went 4,000 pin, who are new Eagles, et cetera. So it's a place to share things. Um, and it sounds like this played a huge role in, um, the exploitation. So immediately after her passing, the big mantra was do it for Rachel. And, um, you know, so they're, they're exploiting her death to get people more motivated to build this business that Rachel never got to complete. And what I heard was being also said was she finished her race. She left this world building the business. You know, she, she completed God's plan for her life. Like this is so sick like sickening to be honest because her dream was to go diamond to have children to be married to be free you know and i i'm just like i i felt a lot of unrest in her spirit from being around her because and I just took it as like she just wants to achieve more so she's keeping herself uncomfortable she was one of those people who got rid of her bed and slept on a mattress you know um had back issues on top of that I don't know if it was from the mattress but she had back issues and so I'm just like she really like she and this was something she preached too. be uncomfortable, make yourself uncomfortable, you know? And so I just like, what kills me is knowing that she for 10 years made herself uncomfortable, you know, to achieve this two to five year dream. And that's what no one stops to really even analyze too, which I'm glad I did finally at five years, like, Hey, this two to five year dream is not like working, you know? But yeah, so so there was that. And then, um, you know, I I recently found out that they um, from that they actually did have a kind of like not memorial, but like service to kind of, you know, remember her life um, after a function. And so just to give you a frame of reference of how they would have viewed a funeral. You know, um, I know people who who did miss family funerals and stuff like that, who missed weddings to go to functions or just meetings. I missed my dad's 50th birthday and it wasn't the end of the world. He was not mad at, at me or anything like that, but that's still a milestone, you know, and the fact that I felt proud that I chose a meeting over his 50th birthday is like really sad, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, so, they preach that though, like, and they'll they'll talk about it on stage. Uh, in the audio that I was dissecting, guys, there's just one audio. This is just one of the many, many events that we went to where this stuff happened. But you had couples on stage, you had one 
who exploited and it was out of nowhere too. It was out of left field. Like there's no way or reason that this should have ever brought brought up. But she said that her sister was in a mental hospital and that she was there or that their dad flatlined and they were still building their business and going to functions or um, that, you know, one of their, their family members was in the hospital. Like all of these things are used to say, we're going through this. What's your excuse? And it's just devastating, but it is, it speaks to their level of manipulation. So what you're saying is it rings true. Unfortunately, that's a lot to have seen and you knew her and, and for you to be able to speak on, on, on how you knew her and then to say like how devastating it is that, that all of this took place. It just, it, it makes me really sad for her. And, um, I know that you, you yourself said that you didn't have a good relationship with her and that's okay. Like I like you should not feel guilty for having any of those feelings because I mean, it doesn't sound like you were even there like actively when this all had happened. No. Um, but I do want to just, just say, just like, I just want to add like respects to Rachel, um, everybody who knows exactly who she is. She was, um, I did some research. She was 39 years old. Um, she was just two years younger than my oldest brother when she had passed and she gave so much of her life to this business. I just want to, for her family's sake, just say, Hey, just like, we hope that we can say as far as Rachel, as a person and as a human who deserved to be treated better by her upline that we recognize that here. So, um, I just wanted to, to make that known. Um, but that's not, that's not the only thing that you had seen that was toxic. And um, you saw some really, really dark stuff. And uh, you'd, you'd also been told some dark stuff once you left. So what did kind of the ending days of, of your time in, in Worldwide look like? And, and what did what ultimately led you to parting ways with Worldwide? Yeah, so we, when I left, I was not on bad terms with anyone. I had just it was 2020, the end of the world. And I just really started reevaluating my life and the things that I thought and what was driving me in life. And I had actually started to become very interested in um, like having a more sustainable lifestyle. Cause like, for instance, you know, shops are closing. So it was like the fear of your grocery shop closing and me thinking like, wow, I really should have known how to grow some food, you know? And um, so it was kind of like just down that rabbit hole. Okay. How do I like create this lifestyle? And then seeing people actually live it out and look so peaceful. And I'm like, I think, and, and like I said, family was a huge motivator for me always. So just seeing people spend time with family, build an actual family, Thing together like their their home or their farm or their garden or whatever it was they were doing together I thought was really cool which I think a lot of people experienced over 2020 but um yeah so for me I just realized money is not the answer to all problems because what if we went through another situation like COVID god forbid worse where money means nothing you what what's going to get you by one is your relationship with God. If you, if that's your belief, but also your skills, you know, you can't throw money around when, you know, water's invaluable. Food is invaluable, you know? And I tend to think that way. Like ever since I was little, I've had like apocalyptic dreams. And so I've just always thought like, what would I do in the event that, you know, like one thing, 
you know, I have never wanted to like really do an extreme change in my hair. Cause I'm like, what if that happens? And I can't dye it now I have all my roots growing out. Like, just like, I just always thought of like, what if scenarios, you know? So that really got my brain going, but it led to somewhere really beautiful where I just, I had new dreams in my life and realized that like money does not solve all your problems. Yes, you do need money to get by and live, but um, you should work towards things that are going to leave a real legacy for your family. Because when it comes down to it, that whole idea of your business being a legacy is not as easy as it sounds. I believe your child has to go platinum in order for them to take over your diamond ship. I, I could be wrong. I think that's what I remember about that. But it's not like they just, you know, pick one of their kids and say, you've got my diamond ship now, you know. So and then what if something happens where you have no access to to these suppliers or whatever your business is like everything is such a fragile line to for that for it to actually fall apart god forbid something actually crazy happens you know so so anyway so I was just more focused on family and skills and so I ended up Katie Rachel and just sharing that with her and just letting her know that you know I um my my goals have you know, changed. I don't see financial independence as what's actually going to help me achieve the things that I want in life. And I still want to help people, but I don't see this as the answer. Like I just had to be honest because I didn't want it to be like, I don't care anymore because that's really what they make you feel like if you quit. Um, so did you not want to help people? Like, that's another question. And so I had to make that really clear. Like, I do want to help people. I'm hoping to learn a skill I can teach others, you know, and then to go on and just, you know, read in the Bible that we're all created for a specific purpose. We're not to, we're not made to be duplicated, you know? And so, um, so it's okay if my, if the way I make money is different from the way someone else makes money, you know, or if I achieve something that's different, you know, there's still that that generosity you need to have as a person and help people. So anyway, so she was like, was there something that I did? And I know from talking to her that she asked this to anybody that quit because she wanted the blame to be off of her. And of course I could not put, I couldn't put blame on her because that would make me feel like a victim or be look like a victim, you know? So I just said, um, I told her, you know, I was like, no, it's not what you did. I'm sorry. I couldn't build more trust with you, which I couldn't because I just got this hot and cold from her all the time. I didn't trust her, you know? And so, um, so like, so I basically took on responsibility for that rift in the relationship and, you know, and she was just like, well, let's definitely keep in touch, like come and visit me. But then she would like see something I posted on Instagram and be like, oh, you need to come visit me. And then I'd be like, yeah, like how are things going right now? And she no answer, you know? So I just don't believe yeah. that was genuine looking back and hearing other people's stories. I don't believe that. So anyway, um, I kind of went through a little bit of a like identity crisis now, like just trying to get back my value outside of worldwide, you know, um, and 
because I had put so much value in that as the one thing and they have you read that book, the one thing, you know? And so, um, so one day I'm thinking about, um, one of my cross line, we worked together and she was also a personal downline of Rachel. And so I was thinking about Kayla and, I was, I was just like, man, I miss her. Like, she's so funny, you know, and we used to talk all the time at work and not about business, but you know, we worked together. So we would just talk about friend stuff or whatever. And so, um, she ends up texting me like a week later and saying, um, Hey, do you, do you want to grab coffee? And I'm thinking, Oh, she's going to try and recruit me, but I'm like, I don't care. I miss her. I'm just going to grab coffee. So we go to coffee and she tells me that, um, it, like literally right at the end. Cause I'm thinking she's still building the business that essentially she find, she found out that it, um, it's essentially ran like a cult and she looked into it and there are the same manipulation. This is how I found out about Stephen Hassan's bite model. And um, she said, there are a lot of things that are manipulation tactics and control tactics and information control that is used by the business. And she's just starting to see it. And she's not going to, um, she's going to leave. Kayla sponsored Natalie. Natalie went platinum Kayla um Kayla went eagle but she she never went platinum so her downline Natalie surpassed her so the way she realized this was Natalie who was a platinum um started to come well at first she she was starting to have some issues with things that she was starting to realize. So she goes platinum. She finds out now she's getting paid from worldwide. And Rachel tells Natalie, don't tell Kayla, who's Natalie's upline. Don't tell Kayla you're getting this check from worldwide now um, because she won't understand. So- um, That so, is deceptive. Yeah. I mean, and, and the way the order of communication went was you always copied your upline, all of them in your case. So anything you told to the person actually coaching you got shared to your upline because eventually they would be leaders and they would need to know how to coach and they're going to learn, but also be informed on what's going on in, with their downline because you're their business, you know? And so, um, so yeah, so so that was like something that, that like bothered her. And she, you know, kind of looked at the fact that, okay, after five years, I have barely netted this much amount of money doing everything I've been taught to do, you know, meaning she stood core, all that kind of stuff. And nobody in my downline is making a profit. I think there's like a hundred plus people. So as a platinum, hundred plus people in your downline, not making a profit or any money. They've given up college. They've given up careers or jobs that were building their careers so they could have business building jobs, meaning jobs that left them open to the nights to prospect, to go to meetings, um, didn't overwork them. So they weren't too tired to do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, 
um, I, I remember there was someone coached to like give up their soccer career, like professional, I believe it was a like professional soccer career, you know? And so, yeah, um, I do remember hearing that too, that story. Yeah. It's devastating when you really think about the things that we've given up that they, they do, they coach us to do these things. And, um, what makes me really sad too, is that, um, uh, you said her, Kayla, right? Kayla was the, the one who went platinum and found out that she's so, getting. Kayla was um, my friend who I worked with. Natalie was. Oh, okay, right, right. Natalie. Mm-hmm. That's right. So Natalie was the platinum and she's no longer cating um, Kayla anymore because she can't let her know that she's getting paid on the tools. Yeah. So that's interesting. We talk about that, right? How there's no transparency. Okay. So that's not true. There is transparency. There are disclaimers that are out there explaining that platinums and above get paid a commission on the tools, but they're not telling us that they're not, they're not explaining it to us. They don't tell us how much, um, we had hope and I had somebody who sent us, um, screenshots, um, who alleged that in at least the Canadian market, they were getting paid somewhere in the market of $2 a person for Kate memberships. And then somewhere around the same amount for the worldwide premier membership it was, I think it was $7. So that's $9, let's say per person in your business. Plus they also alleged that they were getting paid to speak at functions, which we were also told were that they were free. They're not paid speakers, etc. So now this person goes platinum. They find out about this, uh, secret monies, if you will. And mm-hmm. it sounds like she actually had a conscience about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I, I give her a lot of respect for that because I know people in leadership roles who have left and I've connected with quite a few people since leaving. And since, since Kayla reached out to me, thank God, you know, and, um, and we have started to really fill in the gaps for each other reach as we think of people we we reach out to them to like ask them you know hey so what's going on what was your experience because we're trying to figure out like are we crazy did this happen you know and so um so uh there are leaders I know that left and didn't say anything didn't tell their downline anything you know about what was actually happening or how they were feeling. And she did have a conscience about it. And she didn't want anyone else to like continue to waste her life, their lives. Like that's what she really felt like. This is according to statistics that disregard the fact that they are not making money. According to statistics, they will not make money, you know, um, to what we see in other people's businesses, you know? So, um, so yeah, there was that. And then since, um, since leaving and connecting with people, um, and hearing their stories firsthand, some of the other things that I have found out is, um, you know, uh, someone in our organization said that they needed a break and they were told by our upline diamonds, well, then how much are you going to pay your sponsor to run your business for you? And once, you know, once she was like, okay, fine, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna take a break, I'm actually gonna leave, then they're like wanting to buy her business for you. And it turns out Amway is not actually 
approving of these types of maneuvers where you're moving IBOs around, you're buying out their business. And so I had no idea. And look, I personally don't believe Amway is, uh, you know, innocent in all of this because you can tell them like they very much knew that I was being switched to another sponsor. They didn't ask why. We just filled out a paper. You know, so-and-so is not going to be active, even though they're still an IBO, even though I am still technically their work, right? Like the product of their work, you can go ahead and pass her along. Like, why wouldn't you That's ask? For what reason? You know? Right. Well, I think the fact too, one thing when you had originally told me that this happened, you said one thing that also stuck with me was why would they do that? That goes against what worldwide teaches. Like, why does she need to make money off of you? Why did she need to have a quote vested interest? Why? Like, wouldn't you have just been absolved anyways? That's what I was told happened. But that's of course, because she wasn't directly getting that commission from me. That's so crazy. So, and I heard from, from what I understand too, is that it's not uncommon for them to do all of this. They're moving around IBOs more often than I think I realized. Yeah. And, you know, I guess like what I just want to say is as an outsider, maybe looking that at this as solely a business, you might think, and, and it, it was, I'm going to say, cause it was hard for me too, just as a, I, you know, thinking as a business owner, like, yeah, this move makes total sense. The reason this is a problem is because that's not what they tell you they're going to do they're going to support you no matter what if your sponsor goes crazy we're still here for you they literally say that you know so to then have the table turned and be told like oh well I really don't have a vested interest to help you or to do meetings for you or whatever it is then you know you need uh, unless we move you around and so so that's really that's really the like the problem in all of this is the upfront lies. Like, you know, they're not going to be there. They're not going to check in on you when you leave. I know a couple who um, had their upline, they're in my line of sponsorship. They had their upline um, baptize their kids, their two kids. And at some point they decided they had already broken a platinum down line. So, Um, so at some point I think they realized, Hey, we're not really growing. There are areas in our, in our church. We really wanted to get more involved in there are areas in just life. We wanted to get back for us as a family. And so they ended up moving, you know, to another, to another state and getting more involved in their church and really stepping back from the business, but they didn't Um, they didn't, you know, they're still registered. They're still IBOs. They still have a downline platinum. Their upline is the godparents to their kids. Since becoming inactive, those godparents do not check in on their godkids. But but their godkids, that they they, agreed to it. They loved them forever. Yeah. Oh, oh, I heard it. Trust me. I heard, I heard them say all this stuff. They do not call them on their birthdays. They, they don't check in. Um, there was one thing that happened and this was around, I think 2021 where they were trying to figure out, okay, how is information getting out? Because 
me and Kayla and another person started reaching out to people, trying to figure out like what is really happening behind the scenes, you know, with other leaders in the, you know, and, um, and I think they were trying to figure out like where this was all happening. So that was the one time that the upline reached out to the couple in Texas and they did not ask, how are the kids? Not even once. Not once. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's so sad. And it's devastating to think that we really thought these people were going to be our best friends for life. Mm -hmm. Because when we first got around, this was going to be the greatest thing. When we're being originally spoken to, these are my best friends. I want to introduce you to my best friends. And it's like, yeah, great. But then two, three, four, five years down the line, you start to realize that this is not what I thought it was. This yeah. is so much darker than what I thought it was. Um, I know that we're kind of coming up on time here, but I know that there was something that you had, you had told me that I really wanted you to talk about that somebody kind of alleged to you um, that was going on with the, with these diamonds. Yeah. With so some sort of like, uh, <laughs> you want to talk about that? Yeah. So someone I had connected with who um, had went platinum at, um, at one point she confided in me and it is alleged that she was, uh, she was recommended to start doing hypnotherapy when she was starting to have these feelings of doubt about the business and not feeling like this was something that she wanted to do. And the reasons were ethical. The reasons she was having the doubts were ethical. And from you know, from that whole thing, it started to come out and is now alleged that that same diamond is having other people in the business go to hypnotherapy to deal with, uh, to deal with essentially their objections to the business. Wow. Um, wow. I, uh, Wow that's a lot. That's dark. That's scary almost. Yeah. And, um, I, I had told you just before I, we started recording that, um, I was having my significant other just listen to bits and pieces of the audio. And, um, <laughs> I was telling him about what you had told me and I was like, dude, like, isn't that crazy? And he's listening to this. He's like, this sounds like something that they would play in those hip quote, hypnotherapy sessions. And I'm like, Oh my God that's, that's exactly how it sounds. And it kind of goes back to Stephen Hassan's fight model, where they only want us to consume what they approve. They're only books on their book list, only their audios, only their communicate messages, only their text messages, only them, only you need to go to every single meeting you can, you need to go to every single function. And yeah. when you start to have those, where they say, seasons of doubt where the quote devil's trying to derail you right again there they are weaponizing christianity yeah. that you need to be core and more you need to go harder into the business and they would even tell jess when her when she was struggling in her marriage when her husband was being abusive to her this is my personal sponsor robert uh pardon my language here but fuck that guy all right sorry had to get that out of the way i try to say it in every episode um but uh when she was being abused by her husband, 
whether it's physical or or psychological or or whatever type of abuse that she's experiencing, they are saying to her, we'll sew into him, just keep building your business. The amount of times that I heard them say, we will sew into him, just it, it irks me because it's not obviously not just in reference to Robert. It was in reference to every male Every person that was, and realistically, and this is just the misogyny that we had seen in our line of sponsorship, where um, basically these people who were messing up were being basically like we were told, like, oh, well, we'll fix them, and yeah. um, in all reality, it did not fix them. But that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. And I think we talked about maybe it's even deeper into the business where where did they get that idea for hypnotherapy? Exactly. Where, where would they have gotten that? And I mean, that, that is like one of my biggest questions because seeing this behavior, um, similar in a lot of different organizations now that I'm out and that I've, I'm, you know, seeing more and looking into more, I'm just like, where did this start? I don't think that one leader one day had the idea for hypnotherapy. Like I, like it could be somewhere up, up, up the line. You know, this is how they have found ways to control the people in the business. Because a huge thing for me too is like, as Christians, how do you knowingly go to meetings and lie to people? Like you, they are actually saying, I don't get paid to be here. You do. Even at functions, um, you know, at those regional rallies and stuff, they are getting, I think some money goes to the venue and then they get some, they get money. And I think the speaker host gets some money, you know, so they pocket that money. And it's so crazy too, because towards the end, you know, we regionals were once a month, I think requirements. And so yeah, it was around that. Yeah. Yeah. So our location would have like a once a month thing our line of sponsorship started doing these like week, almost weekly and um, charging at the door for every single one. So they're making thousands of dollars. So the smallest room I went in held a couple hundred people that are paying 20 bucks each, you know? So um, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Wow. Cause that's also a, um, that's a $80 per couple. Okay. Yes. And also, um, what I like just from talking to other people, some of the times these venues were free and they would still charge people have to pay nothing for the venue, take the same amount of money, pocket that money. And, um, I don't know if this like even matters. Maybe you can like throw it in towards the top. But um, one of one of the other one of the other things that happened with Rachel that like I saw and I was just like, wow, that is so wrong. She um, she had started holding our meetings in Orange County at a WeWork and WeWork was a very new concept to me. I didn't really know it. And I was like, oh, how did you get access? She's like, I she said something like, I don't technically have a membership, but I made friends with the desk girl and I'm able to pay like $10 a month. And then I connected with one of her, um, one of her platinums across the country. 
And she was like, Rachel insisted because this, this platinum had a small apartment, I believe. So, and she was platinum. So her business was growing and she was like, Rachel insisted that I get a WeWork membership. And I was paying $400 a month for that. And she said, well, I, I get it for my, I get it for my business back in orange County. You need to get it for your business. Rachel's paying $10 and this girl's paying $400 and Rachel's getting paid every time she goes to that $400 we work. Wow. Wow. This is just insane. Like the amount of things that I have learned from you just, it's, it just shows a level of darkness that I just didn't even think was, I thought I had heard it all. But this is just a whole new level of of just fucked up. <laughs> like worldwide is not, in my opinion, a good organization. And this, in my opinion, proves it. And of course, you know, we have to say some of these things are alleged and 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 come from third party sources, but just the fact that these things are even being alleged, like I don't think that people who are coming forward about these organizations would lie. I really don't. I think that people are brutally honest with these stories do i think that there might be some fabrication i I think they fabricate more than we do i don't fabricate at all none of my guests have come on fabricated their stories worldwide fabricates their stories and they would like us to believe that we or they want their their followers to believe that we are the ones fabricating when we're not um that is the that is devastating um but wow, we've gone over, we've gone over so much. So just kind of in closing here, what is what is life like now that you're out of the business and maybe some closing thoughts of, you know, what you really want people to kind of take away from this? Yeah, so after I, you know, was working through the toxic beliefs that I have around money because one of the huge things is buying everything debt-free, being debt-free and the toxic thoughts around productivity where you're always staying productive, like TV movies is not good for you, you know? And yeah, sometimes it's not, but sometimes you need to rest and relax. So anyway, so yeah, I, I, um, started being serious about moving up in my job. Mind you, I was in a customer service role, you know, in my early thirties because I was going to be diamond one day. So I didn't need to progress. So I started being serious about, the like taking opportunities within my company. And I ended up in a sales role making six figures. And, you know, I was just like, I think I'm pretty sure I have way less stress as a salesperson in my company than I would as a Ruby, you know, like that just did not, that just did not, they don't seem happy to me. And that was a big like facade that I felt like I could see through, but anyway, so so yeah, so I, I, you know, got this great role I was working in, I bought a house and adopted a dog and just all things I wouldn't have accomplished if I had stayed in this business. And, um, you know, and um, I, you know, have reconnected with some really great people. So we are in the works of starting a podcast. So maybe, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that, you know, at another time, but um, yeah. And then I also started a business because one of the, one of the other things, like, I don't know if people struggled with this, like I did, but 
it was this like thought, like if you don't have something duplicatable, you're, you can't help people, you know, cause you can't teach them to do the, the thing that only you can do. And then realizing like God actually gave me a, a specific purpose and I can go ahead and do that, you know? So I started a little Etsy business. It's called the happy babe shop and it's on Etsy. And I just like make whatever I feel like making like little cute, like Christian sweaters and t-shirts and like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, awesome. so, but so life is, I mean, just so much more peaceful. Now I realized how much of bless blessings I didn't see in my life because I was so focused on, you know, life is not good until you're diamond. And so you start seeing your life through that filter of it's not good enough you know, you can't really enjoy it and stuff like that. And so what I want to say to people, especially if you have come out of it, which I believe I said this like in the beginning, but share your story. And yes, it can be embarrassing, but I just go ahead and make fun of myself. Like when I talk to my sister, I'm like, oh yeah. So when I was in the cult and, you know, like I just, I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to take ownership for what it was. And now I know my sister will recognize this when she sees it. And she has been approached for MLMs and she immediately recognizes them and would not ever consider doing something like that. So like, if that's all, that's all people get from your story, like that's the best thing, you know, and like, maybe they think you're a little bit goofy, but you know, we've all done goofy things and made mistakes. And, you know, the greatest thing is that we've gotten out or hopefully you're considering getting out and just living life again and really seeing what you do have as a blessing. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And we'll definitely get your um, Etsy link linked um, as well in uh the show notes and everything that we promote so i i love that that's really exciting that you were able to take your creative side and and make it a business and actually like be a business owner as opposed to whatever it is that worldwide wants to try to pretend independent business owner means which is so wild um but i i can't thank you enough for coming on and and sharing your story with us and taking so much time with us um if you guys are out there and you're listening and you want to share your story please dm me on instagram at xnt.podcast you guys can find me on tiktok with the same handle youtube i have a couple of things up i'm getting things added as often as I can. You guys have to remember I am a mom and I'm busy. But other than that, um I'm just so grateful for for Ashley for your time for the people who have shared their stories with you that you've been able to share on here even just briefly um and and getting to share that perspective and um again just kind of our thoughts go out to uh Rachel's family as well. I just that part of this it just breaks me so much. So Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks again, Ashley. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.